Bitterman, paging Bitterman, party of one. <laughs> Commiserate with the ghosts of your past. Proclaim with certitude that the grapes were indeed bitter. And find the perfect snappy comeback to that argument from last year. Because it's time to talk tall to me. I feel like we're really going to get into our feelings this week. I mean, between last week and this week, it's, I think, impossible not to. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms. And this, my sweet, sweet friends, in this brand new year, is Talk Tell to Me. Let me just amend it. It's, it's the first of the year uh, when we record this. Yes. <laughs> A salty tirade about everything that went wrong between us and Prog Rock. Nick and I will fire up the regret machine, bemoan the fact that Jeffrey Hammond Hammond took all the good silverware with him when he left, wonder sardonically how Mick Abrahams is doing with his newer, younger, prettier band, and tell ourselves over and over again how we don't miss the embrace of Ian Anderson's cold flute hands at all. How am I supposed to eat grapefruit with a non-fluted spoon, Jeffrey? How? <laughs> Did you ever have one of those fluted grapefruit spoons? I think there may have been one, like, crammed in the back of the drawer, you know, behind the actual silverware tray when I was growing up. Because I, I, I just got a grapefruit recently. I, I'll, I'll, I'll lend it to you. <laughs> yes, mail it to me through the, through, through the post, Nick. Why don't you send me the grapefruit? I'll, I'll use it, <laughs> and then I'll send you the, the sections. Okay, that sounds perfect. Um, hello, Nick. Welcome. Omen, welcome. Happy New Year. Thank you. We are recording this for clarity in the the what is year twenty twenty one, the first of January twenty twenty one. So, yep. um, yeah, for all you squares who use the Gregorian calendar, no, the Caesarian calendar. No, the, the, uh, I'm so enraged right now thinking about the Gregorian calendar. Um, <laughs> I, I had to correct myself. No, no, it is the Gregorian calendar that. We oh, use. is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's um, right, because Caesarian would have been, October would have been the 8th, December would have been the 10th, etc. Yeah, okay. Well, it was actually the Caesars that started f***ing it up in the first place. And then the Catholic Church tried to amend that and add their own nonsense to it. And so now we just have this t horrible hodgepodge that we yeah. should get rid of immediately. Don't get me started on the Gregorian calendar, Nick. I've seen talks about every month being like exactly 30 days and and Yes. I like it. No one That's will no one will do it, but it, it it made sense when I saw it. I wish I could elaborate on it more, but You know who actually invented a very good calendar? Um Stephen Hawking. You no. no. Your friend and mine, George Eastman from Kodak oh, from Rochester, New York. Really? Yeah, he he came up with an extremely sensible calendar. There are 13 months, each of them exactly the same. Oh, that's yeah, that's the one that I was thinking. I didn't realize that he did that. Yeah. Wow. And the beauty of it is that like if it's for instance the 3rd of the month, it is Wednesday. The 3rd thir the 3rd of the month is always a Wednesday. Yeah. Yep. If you ask the date, you don't have to also ask the day. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Let's switch to that. Get rid of daylight savings time. This country will run so much better. Indeed. And with that out of the way, Nick, <laughs> hello. Here we are. 
Talking like, tall. New Year's tirades over. Great. Okay. Do we have any business to get out of the way oh, before we jump into the song? Do we ever? What's this? In Marley. Oh, hello, hello, Mary. Thank you so much for that. I'm still drunk as two skunks. Oh, the that skunks is... are fighting, and then they they have some babies. That's how many drunk skunks I am. Oh, Mary. Listen, why did you take the rest of the day off? You you don't you don't look so good. Have a little bit of the I, hair of the skunk, Mary. I think. I was I was gonna go lie down in my bed. That's a ditch. That is a ditch. No, uh, you know it's fine. It's not worth She's not worth it. fighting. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, okay then. Well, it looks, looks like, like she she celebrated heartily there. Yeah. It looks like we have a, a wonderful email here. Oh my goodness, we have two emails, in fact. <clears throat> Your emails, sir. Abu Jethro bin Moms writes back to us. Previous writer in her, good morning, Abu. He writes. Shame, double shame, and triple shame on Nick McGill. I, so far, I couldn't agree more. All right, all right, let's go with it. <laughs> I just finished listening to Birthday Card at Christmas, and Nick suggested Ian Anderson should have retired after dot com. Have you even heard Homo Erraticus? That's, that's one of Ian's. We'll talk about that later. It's a personal question. <laughs> Let me tell you why this is offensive to this tall skull. I grew up in Beirut, Lebanese father and Welsh mother. And around the mid-90s, my dad brought down his vinyl collection from the attic, dusted it off, and proceeded to tell me about his favorite band, Jethro Tull. He showed me a few album covers, Stormwatch, Heavy Horses, etc. However, we didn't have a working record player, and this was pre-internet. A dark time. Don't believe it. So I thought I'd do something nice, and I went down to the local music store and asked what Jethro Tull CDs they had. They only had one: the newly released Roots to Branches. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Drunk as two skunks there too. So Roots they, to Branches. I love them. They only had one: the newly released Roots to Branches, and nothing else. Long story short. My dad wasn't impressed with the album, but I loved it and actually became a fan of Jethro Tull through that album mm -hmm. and then worked my way backwards. So I'd heard Roots to Branches before I even heard Aqualung. I think that's why I have a soft spot for late Tull slash Ian. So some respect, please, <laughs> smiley emoticon. Happy holidays, Abu Jethro bin Moms. I get it. I, Roots to Branches is a great album. Absolutely. Also, what an amazing jumpstart that we oh, have here. That's sort right. Of a, that was a, a bit combination of a finger wagging and <laughs> jumpstart in the same email. Yeah, that's right. It's a, a two two birds with one email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I'm gonna say yes. That Roots to Branches is a fantastic album. I did not realize that Homo Erraticus came after Thick as a Brick too. Did not realize that. Yeah, he dropped that in 2014, 14, yeah, and let's see. Let me just scroll on our listy-poo here. And Nick, if you listen to Homo Erraticus, which I had actually not heard, mm -hmm. but thanks to Abu Jethro bin Moms, I did listen to it the other day. His singing is 
he gets the notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. You know, and it's very much a it's very much a studio album. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, you know, what it would be like sung live, but he's yeah. he's obviously had to work with his changing voice and it right. sounds great. Yeah. And Abu Jethro bin Moms, you will be pleased to know that as penance for the shameful things that Nick has said and done on this podcast, we will be adding Homo Erraticus to our official list of Tull to talk about, even though it is not officially Tull canon because it is post the dissolval of the band. It is, as Nick, you were saying. <laughs> D- dissolution, the... I think, is the, the word. <laughs> dissolval. <laughs> Dis- dissipation? Yeah. It is the follow-up to Thick as a Brick and Thick as a Brick 2. Correct, yeah. I did not realize that either. So Thick as a Brick 2 was 2012. Homo Eraticus was 2014. So because Thick as a Brick is so monumental a piece of Tull history, and because Ian used the exact same band that he was touring with in Tull to record Thick as a Brick 2 and Homo Eraticus under the Ian Anderson name, and because Ian Anderson is Jethro Tull, we... And Jethro Tull is all of us. Is all of us. We are all collectively Ian Anderson by the transitive property. Of the flute. Of the flute. Having planned on doing Thick as a Brick 2 already, we you convinced us, Abu Jethro bin Moms, that Homo Eraticus ought to be on here as well, which puts us, believe it or not, for any of you actually looking at the Talk Tull to Me schedule that can be found... Uh, in the show notes. Thank it you, nerd. puts us all the way out to October 22nd, 2024 for an even 300 episodes. The numbers speak for themselves. The numerology of this choice is written in the stars. Thank you, Abu Jethro bin Moms, for the suggestion and for telling Nick off. Please mm-hmm, continue mm-hmm. to to shame us when we have done things that are offensive to you. And that goes for all of you out there. We want to know your opinions. And everyone else, thank you for sticking with us for the next 200 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else do we have? Oh, another email. Another email, which I believe has a jumpstart. Yes, this is a jumpstart email, Nick. Jumpstart. Jumpstart! Jen D. writes, subject line, Irish tall? Question mark, parentheses, jumpstart. Message. My jumpstart happened in 1977 when I was 15. An older guy recommended that I try Jethro Tull. Parentheses, thanks, Clem. <laughs> thanks, Clem. Thanks, I'm going to get a t-shirt of that. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Clem. Yes. He described them as English Horselips. Horselips were an Irish rock band with lots of Celtic influences who were around in the 70s and early 80s. I went to our public library and borrowed M.U. and then Aqualung. Now, I'm actually not sure what M.U. is. That was that best of that we talked about a couple episodes ago, Musicians Union, the best of Tull. Thank you. Dish, disc one. Dish one. Dish one. Dish one. <laughs> My first purchase was Heavy Horses. Mm. Mm. Jethro Tull never played in Ireland, north or south, between the late 60s and early 90s, so I never got to see them in their prime. 
I did see the Madison Square Garden satellite broadcast live in the late 70s. I might sound like a curmudgeon, but I think Broadsword was the last great album they did. No one tell Abu Jathro Bidoz. <laughs> Perhaps you can convince me otherwise. Glad you guys are doing this. I am able to appreciate the quality of the music and lyrics much more clearly thanks to your podcasts. I have given Talk Tell to Me a five-star on Podcast Republic. Apparently, I am the first to review it. Speaking of poor slips, they are available on Spotify. They do sound like Tull, especially on, on two later albums, Aliens and The Man Who Built America. These are concept albums about Irish immigration into the U.S. I thought that would include Nick's ancestors. But on listening further, I see that is not the case. <laughs> Smiley face emoticon. Still, nobody's perfect. <laughs> on Aliens, a quick listen to Second Avenue will convince you of the similarity of the sound. Their best albums are reckoned to be Tain and The Book of Invasions, both concept albums, but not in a passion play way, based on old Irish sagas. Really mm. looking forward to songs from the wood. The best album, no argument. Keep up the good work, guys. Well. Thank you, Jenny. Wonderful. Thank you, Clem. Thanks, Clem. First introducing Jen to Jethro Tull. Uh, I did have a listen to some of Horse Lips. Yeah. And amazing. Thank you so much for introducing us to that. Yeah. Really cool stuff. My personal favorite is Trouble with a capital T. I cannot stop listening to that song. Very, very good. Let's listen to it right now. Stands aboard, but all day gods are real folk. Can't see the fire, but we smell the smoke. We'll take the plot, we'll be the young. Night after night, I don't believe we are the ones you want to see. Not a thing will you achieve, cause we belong and we won't leave. Trouble, trouble. I try to chase trouble, but it's chasing me. It is it it is really like that you can really tell the the, the Prague influence mm-hmm. and and even some of the Irish flute you know fulfills yeah. the role that Ian's jazz flute is is uh, fulfilling in Tull. It's like the way I see it is it's if Ian wasn't playing the flute but if someone else was because what we hear in Horse Lips is there is flute peppered throughout while there is also singing which we just don't often get with Tull. Yeah, because Ian Anderson only has one mouth. Only one mouth that can play the flute. Ah, yes. <laughs> also, I mean, the style of the Irish flute is so different. And, you know, Horse Lips is obviously really working f- from a, an Irish music uh, background, mm-hmm. whereas Ian, I think, is is incorporating a, lo- a lot of different stuff all, all the time. Sure, sure. And didn't really, you know, take up the, the Celtic musical forms until some of those later albums that we that we are so looking forward to getting into. Yes, including Songs from the Wood, Jenny, which is hands down one of their best. Yeah. Thank you, Jen. There is no argument there. But to tack on to Jen's email, we'll, we'll just bounce really quick to her review 
on Podcast Republic. Yes, it is our only review on Podcast Republic. I didn't even know Podcast Republic was a thing, but I'm glad our podcast shows up there. Thank you, Jen. Indeed. Five stars. A thoughtful sometimes look at the amazing output of the band Jethro Tull. I don't always agree with what has been said, but I nearly always see something in the music that I had not seen before. A must for any Tull fan. You know... Perfect. Perfect. First of all, thank you so much for the review. Mm -hmm. Second of all, if all of our listeners agreed with everything that we said, this would be the worst podcast ever. That, that's what we keep telling ourselves anyway. That's what we say to justify <laughs> all, why all the hatred <laughs> on those long, tearful nights. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Nick, any other housekeeping before we dive into the song? No, I think that's good. I think we're ready to roll. Well, then, roll we shall over to the first track off of the B-side of the vinyl of Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die. Nick, what is that song? Bad-eyed and loveless. Let's have a listen. Let's let's do it. Yes, and she is bad-eyed, and she's loveless. Boy, what a what a quick little two-minute and barely ten-second song. Yeah, the tone of it is reflective, isn't it? It is. It is. It's very. It's it's very introverted. Self dialogue there. There's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's it's one man on stage under a spotlight, sitting on a chair with his acoustic guitar. Yeah, yes. So um, let's talk musically, as is our want. Mm-hmm. This is primarily acoustic guitar, and and excellently played. Only acoustic guitar, is it not? I probably I think yes, but there there is a. A moment early on when I thought I detected just like a literally a single electric note, and maybe it was a trick of the ear. Mm, okay. An ear you, want, you just wanted to hear Martin so badly. I hear him in my heart yeah. so much. Yeah. That's where that sound came from. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have a doctor's appointment coming up. <laughs> it's, it's your heartstrings, Omen. It is. That's all. Yeah. So. It, it is primarily the acoustic guitar, or mm-hmm. indeed entirely the acoustic guitar. Right. And I, I really think that this is some of the best acoustic that we have had that we have heard Ian play. I think so. There is so much going on. There is so much depth. There's so much funk. And we've we've heard a lot. We've heard so much acoustic from him, and it's all been really beautiful. And we've seen him. We've seen him progress over the years, but this this kind of goes back to like a bluesy, like soft bluesy funk that we have not seen. Normally, it's like a sweet, nice acoustic. There's something grungy here. Yes. Interesting that you say blues. This doesn't really follow a blues format, and yet it does have that feeling to it. And so it really, you know, we were talking before about, you know, horse lips and how they incorporate... Irish traditions with rock traditions. Ian is doing the same thing. He's sort of interpreting the the feeling of the blues into this almost almost blend of classical and rock. I mean, it, it's this is what this is what is so intriguing about our good friend Ian Anderson is is just that 
There's so many influences, so expertly mixed, like a like a chemist making pills, making, making tall little little tall pills. I prescribe you Jethro Tull. I do you have gummies? Can I take a gummy instead? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, they're shaped like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> they're shaped like Ian Anderson standing yeah. on one leg. <laughs> really, I mean, there's it's in four four time. He uses some harmonics. Mm-hmm. He does some very interesting chord sliding where you finger record and then you slide that form up the neck to get mm-hmm. that kind of raisin mm-hmm. tone. Raisin tone. Yeah. Sometimes it's a crazen tone. If you're feeling really spicy. And he also is doing some great stuff with the bass strings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really, it's incredible. I would love to see this performed. Mm. Just just sitting there, just plucking away at this thing. Just making, making sweet, sweet, resentful, angry love to this guitar. Yeah. It does make me wonder what, you know, how this would have been, how this could have been performed in the context of a stage play. Honestly, I, I think exactly the way I said it, it's just Ray sitting there with a guitar. To have anything going on in the background, to have any semblance of this fitting into a greater piece of story at that moment, I think would drastically take away from the like you said that that kind of introspective single person having a moment feel right well yeah and well i i would say that your instinct is backed up by the artwork the album artwork so if you look at the second page mm. you'll turn in your hymnals to the second page of the cartoon that is found in the inside of the tool to rock and roll album you will oh. find that the first panel reads so he's just had the conversation with the deadbeat, and then he leaves the bar to meet his bird, as he refers mm. to her. Mm. Salamander, who's told him to meet him outside the pub. Meet mm. her outside the pub. So it says, outside, and you see Ray alone on a deserted street. And he has a thought bubble, which reads, Christ, 9.30, I've been ditched. Bummer. And then the next panel shows him from the back, walking in this deserted street filled with trash at, at nighttime. And the thought bubble reads, bad-eyed and loveless bitch. Mm. So there you are. So speaking about how this would be played on stage, how many times do you think this was played? I'm going to go with double low double digits in the, in the 20s. That is being crazy generous because it was played, according to Setlist FM, again, we, we don't have a perfectly 100% guaranteed list, but this was no. played one time. Oh, my God. 1976, the, the, the year of the release, May 5th, 1976, in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Oh, Rotterdam. One time. What? That's so bizarre. I wonder... I wonder why it was only played once. It's such a good it's, song. I mean, but it, it but it's not a concert song, you know. I mean, when you think about it, you want to carry through with energy, and you want you want to keep momentum going, even if you go into slower 
sadder songs. I, I, I feel so. like this would like just just hammer on the brakes in terms of of your your momentum in a concert. I, you know, my perspective on this is so skewed by the concert that we saw in the early 2000s where I think the first half was all their normal set and the second half was all acoustic. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and this would have fit perfectly in there. Yes, it would have, yeah. But, you know, we saw Ian at an age when he would have been happy to sort of take a seat on a stool and play the acoustic <laughs> guitar. Yeah, yeah, that's his feet, true. His feet retired. But I'm, have we have we ever actually seen him play the guitar? Oh yes, did we? Okay. Yeah, the little the little guitar. Oh yeah, that that little guy. <laughs> yeah, that little that little guy. The old little oh, guitar. Cute little, cute little guitar. Sounds great. Doesn't wear out the back. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, very. As much as as we really dig the sound, I I regrettably get not it not being a, a staple in the in in the shows. Sure. Just, Nick, this is on my brain, just to jump back to the musical styles. Mm-hmm. If you take that riff that he does, that he repeats. Mm-hmm. A young man's fancy and an old man's dream. It really does combine elements of blues and classical Sure. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. If you look at the the intervals, he's switching between, you know, the intervals between the notes. He's he's switching between a blues modality and then a more classical standard modality. Okay. Note wise, it's really interesting. Can you define modality? I I can't and I won't. Um, <laughs> I re- I can but I refuse. It's um, it's the it's the scale. Okay, but specifically it's it's the relationship between the notes. So it's a it's a fancy scale. Okay, okay. So it's it's more than it's more than just your do re mi fa sol la ti do. Right. So so do re mi etc. is is a standard major scale. But there are lots of other types of scales, and each of them, you know, are prevalent in different types of music. They talk about the, you know, they talk about modes, and a lot of them are named for the different Greek islands. Oh, okay. I'm trying to think of them. It's been a long time since I've looked at this sort of thing. But but each of them has a different set of intervals between each of the notes, giving them a different kind of a sound. And some of those are are very much used in the blues. Okay. And some of them are more used in classical music. And he is he is he is using different note relationships that come from both of those traditions. And it I, I think that works that's why this works so well as a solo person performing because because there's so much more going on. There's so many extra layers and it's even though they are those kind of separate separate sounds and separate pieces, they flow well together and they they kind of at certain times they 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 blend just a little a, a little discordantly, but it still works. Yes, he does use some dissonance in there as well. Yeah. And in terms of the sentiment of the song, which I think we'll, we're probably about to get into. We're we're due, yeah. He's sort of saying I have the blues because this woman is gone. I have sorrow mm-hmm. because this woman is gone. 
but I'm above it. It doesn't bother me. I'm better than that. No, I don't care. <laughs> I'm sad, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm too elegant to be sad. I'm too elegant to show my sadness. And so, like, you know. So let me sing about my sadness. It's it's the perfect blend of, like, the haughtiness and the intellectualism that comes from the sound of the more classical mm. chords and the and the depth of emotion that comes from the blues riffs. It's inc- There's a reason we're doing this podcast, Nick. And the reason is that you convinced me two years ago. <laughs> I blackmailed you. I still have the photos until you can... <laughs> can obtain them you're stuck i uh should we get into lyrics at this point i think that we should get into the lyrics nick these quizzical cryptic lyrics well let's start with the title do you know what bad-eyed refers to oh i just took it as like like stink eye you are correct and oh, yet okay. <laughs> you were standing on the edge of a precipice the depth of which may shock you I'm very intrigued now. Go on. Bad eye or bad eyed refers to someone who possesses the power of the evil eye. Mm, Malocchio. Malocchio. Yeah. Indeed. Which is. <laughs> it's a different fairy tale. It's the puppet, Malocchio. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> My crops! <laughs> My milk gets curdled! <laughs> the concept of the evil eye goes back, you know, really to the beginning of, of Western civilization. It Concepts of, of the evil eye can be found in countries across the Mediterranean, oh, yeah. Western Asia, Europe. And it, it, for anyone who's not familiar, basically the idea is that there are people who can curse with just a, a look, with a malevolent look. And it can happen behind your back. They don't have to make eye contact with you. But if you if you make the wrong person angry, they can literally look at you and curse you with their eye. Yeah. There are references to it in Greek classical antiquity. Pliny the Elder, Plutarch, Plato all mention it. Virgil has a mention of it at one point. In in a lot of Greek and, and Mediterranean cultures, you'll see that that round, what looks like an eye. It's a blue eye with with white and then the black in the middle. That is to protect against the evil eye. Yeah, there are a lot of talismans like that all over over that area. Yeah. Just a warning, we are going to get into anatomical references here. If you've got little kids that, that you don't want them to know that male genitalia exists, plug their ears. Yes. Also a content warning, we're also going to be talking about the historic subjugation of women using myth. Yeah, that too. And superstition. Way more offensive. Way more offensive. One of the the most common ones was a phallic charm. I'm going to say that again because I burped while I was saying it. A phallic charm. I I don't know what jokes I have for you burping when you say the word phallic, but we'll move on. We're going to crowdsource that one. <laughs> Please send in. <laughs> so the phallic charm was called a, a fascinum. Okay. From the verb fascinare. Oh, to fascinate. To, ca- to cast a spell. Huh. Or from what we now get, the word fascinate. Fascinate. Yeah, that's interesting. So to fascinate is really to cast a spell with your phallic charm. I like to think that it's, I'm going to give that person the evil, oh, look, a cock, huh. It's just a distraction, I think. 
Yeah. Well, there's something very, you know, there's also something very sexist, very old and very sexist here that mm-hmm. the power mm-hmm. of the evil eye, evil eye ha- historically was attributed to women. Yep. Yeah. And of course, penises scare them. Yes. They yes. are intimidated by the power of the penis. That is that is the... That is the theory that men have been operating under for thousands of years. <laughs> if I've learned anything about history, including you, from the, the people in power right now. If you whip your dick out in public, it might frighten some people. Peen be scary. But you better do yeah. it anyway, just in case someone might be glaring at you. Just in case you don't want the evil eye. It's not. You will not get the evil eye after you pull it out. <laughs> no, certainly not. Some correlation there. <laughs> there are references to the evil eye obliquely or, you know, not by name in the Salem witch trials. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Goody, goody, who's it's looked at me sideways yeah. during church. And then, you know, a little bit later, I got a rash on my button. So burn her. It's not because I'm 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 sitting on a, a hay bale. It's not because I haven't washed this Maybe dress in, in 40, 40 months. Yeah. So, so lots going on there, yeah. and and this is you know in the 1970s, this is like quite a quite an unsurprising usage of this concept. Sure. sure. The woman stood me up, and therefore she is essentially a witch. Right. Yeah. She, is a, she contains the power of evil. Has nothing to do with me. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. The fact that I'm some old weirdo that, that she just met. So it's her fault, not mine. She must be a witch. And because she's a witch, she has the power to give the evil eye. It's literally, yeah, it's sour grapes. It's it, yeah. it really oh, yeah. is like, oh, I met this woman. She she stood me up, and then it's you know it's it's absolutely that conversation that you have with yourself. It's oh, I knew she was crazy. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, time, right, man. right, right. Again, yeah. not my fault. She's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I dodged a bullet. Yeah, she she's loveless. She has no heart. Right. So right. Not only is she evil, she has no heart. Yeah. So let's get into some of these. Now that we've covered the title, let's get into some of these specific <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, which we we he does say bad-eyed and loveless one, two, three times in the song itself. If you say it three times, you will summon avoid her. The charm. Oh, avoid the charm. Yeah. You will take out your penis. Mm-hmm. Yes, she's bad-eyed and loveless. A young man's fancy and an old man's dream. Yes, and she is bad-eyed. And she's And an old man's dream. Sure, young men fantasize about her, and and old men fantasize about her. Young men, young men want to be with her, and and old men know they can't be with her, so they right. dream about the days when they could have been or they so were it, with her. Right. So, in an interesting contrast, like she's evil, she's bad. Everyone wants her. <laughs> everyone wants her. Yeah, but she's bad for them. Yeah. And then we get into. Some of the more bizarre Ian Anderson metaphors. Yeah. Some 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 great wordplay and innuendo like barely innuendo, so thinly veiled. I, I almost point. feel like we need a a Twilight Zone style introduction for this kind of poetry. <laughs> Just in, in another world where, where Ian was more gratuitous. Imagine, if you will, a metaphor so obscure and oblique that it drives anyone who looks at it completely insane. But it's not that obscure and oblique. Imagine an entendre <laughs> that is so singular it can have 
but one meaning here <laughs> yeah. in the Ian door. The scary door, yeah. I'm self-raising and I flower in her company. Give me no sugar without her cream. I'm self-raising and I flower in her company. Give me no sugar without her cream. So we have a sort of a baking motif here. Yeah. Uh, uh, very sexy baking. Self, That's all. Self-raising flour, of course, self-raising is, flour. is flour that has a rising agent, bicarbonate yep. of soda in it. Yep. And Also, it refers to... Do you want to say it, Nick? Um, well, when a man finds something attractive or a stiff wind blows by... <laughs> Other things become that. He gets an, a boner. An erection, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, I'm self Yeah, he, he doesn't He doesn't even need her. He does it himself. Yeah, I flower in her company. A, a nice a nice wordplay there, the homonym, self-raising flower, but I flower in her company. I bloom. My feelings for her blossom and are evident for all to see. My pants blossom. My pants, my pants blossom. There's a garden. There's a garden in me pants, and it's in full bloom. <laughs> come, come, view the flowers. Stop and smell the roses. <laughs> oh God! So then, and then R- we get what's into really uh, different meaning to uh, a gift of roses that we'll talk about in oh dear four God. years. <laughs> Give me no sugar without her cream. Okay, this is a very odd double negative. Give me no sugar without her cream. Cream and sugar in your coffee or in yeah. in your baked goods. So I don't so I don't want her... I don't want any sugar if if it's not coming with her cream. If she's not cr- creaming in my coffee, then life isn't sweet. Well, sh- give me some sugar is like show me some love. That's true. Yeah. So no so no sugar no cream. Right. Coffee's if black. Life if it's not life. from her, I don't want it. She's the only one I want love from. Yeah. That horrible witch. That God, she's so awful. I want her. It's strange, strange, strange stuff, Nick. Yeah, it uh, gets gets a little bit stranger. Yes, bit, now we have perhaps the most bizarre metaphor. <laughs> I I literally here. Let me let me read the text that I sent to you last night. Yes, I I texted Omen Sade Thursday, twelve thirty one at six p.m. on the nose. Have you looked at the bad-eyed lyrics yet? 617, Omen says, not yet. Why? 618, I say, the second verse. I thought it was a mistake. Checked multiple sources. Mind blown (laughs) emoji. And then, Omen, you responded with the line, She's a warm fart at Christmas. She's a warm fart. You know, I just looked up warm fart at Christmas to see if that was maybe some really, oh. you know, obscure co- uh, popular phrase. Not it a great not... idea. Okay. It didn't, so, it, nothing unsavory came up. So far, I can only find Jethro Tull references to it, including a, m- the first Ian Anderson meme that I've ever seen. <gasps> what? Which I will forward to you right now. Please do. Please do. 
I don't know what the first like two words are. It's an image of Ian, young Ian, looking wild and and thinky with his finger on his lips. And the top text says, "I got it. She's a warm fart at Christmas." And then the bottom text says, "Or should I maybe keep that one to myself?" Yes, Ian, you should have. No, I I mean, it puts us in the mindset that is Ray. It gives us that working class blue humor that Indeed. we have with Ray, right? We've talked about the grotesque, the aesthetic of the yeah, grotesque before on this uh-huh. podcast, the contrast of things that you don't think of going together. So here we have a, a wonderful example of that. Christmas, a time for joy, a time for lovely things and light and nice things. Also oh, when it's cold. Uh, also when it's cold. Contrasted with a warm fart. Yeah. So, but this this is the thing. I, I mean, it's really, it, it, it's really good because... It's Christmas time, it's good, but it's cold, so something warm will keep you warm, but it's a fart, so it's not good, so it's it's a double-edged sword here. Yeah. It's one, it's it's a double-sided coin, one side has arsenic, the other has cotton candy. I don't know. <laughs> like is there, see? <laughs> is there a is there an implication with the word I and I, I can't believe that we're talking about this. Is there an implication with the word warm that it is a liquidish fart, Nick. Oh my gosh! I think you've you've gone a little too far there. But is I mean because any fart is warm because it comes out of your body, right? But but I think the stressing the warm part is is that is the good aspect of it. That is the good that it is bringing forward. I think I think he's saying that it's when you try to sneak out a fart at a Christmas party <sighs> and you accidentally shit your pants. I disagree. let's move on Um, she's a breath of champagne on a sparkling night (laughs) your Swedish is coming out she's she's a breath of champagne on a sparkling night she's a breath of champagne on a sparkling night But that's all good, right? There's nothing. There's no bad to that. Well, I think that's the. I think that's the thing here. It's. It's. You know, he's struggling with with the con with the conflicting emotions of yeah. desire and the budding of love, the flowering of love, and the and the bitterness and and anger at being stood up. So it's like, you know, she. I imagine her to be this beautiful sparkling breath of champagne but in fact she's she's your dirty pants at a at a christmas party or is it is it she's only a breath of champagne so you don't actually get the champagne oh it just makes you want it more. yeah could be i mean this is you know this is apparently the power of this woman that she's yeah. she's cursed him with with his own feelings yeah. Regardless of what any of that means, we can be confident that she's bad-eyed and loveless. Indeed. And the and the the last line that we really need the, the last line that we have yet to decipher is straightforward and 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 makes the utmost sense. We don't need to really decipher it. Turns other women to envious green. Yes, she's bad eyed. And she's loved. 
like this song could be about the same woman that Dolly Parton's Jolene is about. Oh, interesting. You know that song. Jolene, yeah. Jolene, 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 Jolene. Jolene, 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 Jolene. a saint. You know, she donated a crap ton of money toward the first coronavirus vaccine. We get her books once a month. We're signed up for her book program for Rook. Does uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't, it's not available in all areas. I'm not sure what that, what's determined by that, but, but yeah, we get, we get her books once a month and they're, they're great books too. People of color, all sorts of representation. It's, they're lovely. They're great. She's amazing. So green with envy, Omen. We still associate being green with someone being sick, but but way way back, fifteen hundreds and earlier, the, a pale green complexion was associated with fear, illness, poor humor, something along those lines. And it was actually it's attributed to Shakespeare in Othello, where Iago warns Othello, "Beware, my lord, of jealousy. It is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on." Yes, indeed. And another reference to being jealous and pale can be found in Romeo and Juliet's. Right. Oh, swear not by the moon. Blah, 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 blah. She is already sick and pale with grief. Yeah. So so don't be don't don't be that way. Don't don't be like that, eh? Don't don't be like the moon. Uh, <laughs> anything else about Bad Eyed and Loveless, Omen? Anything at all? I think that this is an, a very interesting song. It combines mm-hmm. some of the best guitar work that we've heard from Ian. Correct. With some of the most disappointing maleness to come out of the tall yeah. work. It's definitely problematic. Not not to the point where I like can't listen to it. No. I do like it better than I liked Deadbeat. That one's but just so sad. It's just, and it's the music. There's nothing in the music that that compels me to listen to it. You know, this is very much a product of the time. You know, yeah. There is this very old habit that we still see every day in our in you know in our lives of men offloading the responsibility for their feelings onto women, and and then they get paid thirty percent less for dealing with it. So, you know, so essentially Ian is saying this awful woman, she made me feel this way and it's her fault because she's a witch. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be having emotions if it weren't for her. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> rather than rather than being like, hey, I'm feeling some things. Let me process that and take responsibility for them and grow. Maybe I should do something about it. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a, an encounter I had with a teacher when I was in London, speaking of Shakespeare, I was working on a, a soliloquy by Posthumus in Cymbeline, mm-hmm. who has just found out that supposedly his wife has cheated on him with an Italian. Of course, she hasn't 
the Italian stole her ring while she was sleeping and, and has made Posthumus, has convinced Posthumus that his wife is unfaithful. And the the soliloquy is essentially a tirade against women. First line is, is there no way for men to be but women must be half workers? We are all bastards and that most venerable man which I did call my father was I know not where when I was stamped. So this monologue is all about, you know, essentially the weakness of women. And so I, I did this, uh, I was working on this soliloquy and my teacher, who is this Welshman who was probably about Ian's age or, you know, came 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 of age in the 70s when this album was coming out, was like, yeah, Omen, it's good, but you need to hate women more. <laughs> and I was like, what, Ian? He's like, his name was also Ian. And he said, yeah, you know, the problem is your generation's post-feminist. You don't hate women like we did. The problem, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I can see how that is problematic. Ian. <laughs> I think you've told this story very early on. Maybe it sounds so. vaguely familiar, yeah. But, you know, this concept that, like, this this is just the way that things used to be, that there was this really, you know, not, not hidden at all distrust and hatred and <laughs> disrespect of women just across the board. Yeah. That, that was part of society. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he, this song is definitely couched in that. Yeah. I. It's, pro- it's problematic, but you also... It doesn't make it okay, but you do have to look at it in the perspective of it was okay then. Like right. it's it's a weird semantic thing. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't okay then. It was accepted then. Okay, perfect. Much better. It's it's never okay to do it. Just to be clear, you heard it here on the <laughs> Feckless Moms Audio Network. It is never okay to hate women. Yeah, yeah. For a long it, time, people got away with it then. It but... was socially acceptable. Yeah. And now we are Gross. trying to. Change that precedent. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. So, Nick, anything else about this song? I think we I think we're done. Okay. I think we're we're good with bad ideas. What are we listening to next week? Next week, track two off of side B is a, a nice, delightful quick romp. We're, we're back into something more, a little a little peppier. We are on Big Dipper. Ooh. Yeah. Well. That's a fun one. Until next week, I will continue to love women. As will I and respect them. <laughs> and I will, I will also love reviews from you. And I will respect the heck out of your five stars, if you feel so gracious as to give them to us, it is it is acceptable. It is it is socially appropriate to give us five stars. You can protect yourself from the evil eye with a talisman <laughs> made, made out of five stars of five stars and. A positive review for our podcast. There you That's go. That's the only Definitely. way to keep away yep. il malocchio. For, at least from us, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <That's from> us. <laughs> 
Until next week, I am respectfully Omen Said. And I dutifully am Nick McGill. We humbly are feckless moms. And this posthumously <laughs> is talk tall to me. I hope not. <laughs> Proctor. Oh, Proctor. Proctor Brown, I I have some terrible news. What is it, Goody Anderson? I believe that there is a witch within our community. No. Yes. No, I've I've heard tell of them in in villages surrounding, but but not ours. I was walking my goat early in the morning on the fields where the dewdrops lay. Yes. Who did I see there? What? What Goody Abrahams? No. Yes, and I said hello to her. What did she do? She did not respond. Yes, yes. She did not respond like a good Christian should. In consort with the devil. She merely looked at me, and I felt a tremble of cold in my in the pits of my woman parts, which are shameful and I will not speak of. We do, we do not speak of those. We will not speak of those. The lady hell, we call it. <laughs> and then later in the day, I saw her again, churning her butter. And again I said, God be with ye. Goody Abrahams. And she merely looked at me and said good day, and I felt my lady parts will all a quiver for her. She does churn her butter most seductively. It is the devil, I say it is the devil. She does cast curse upon ye, and and we shall be next. What shall we do? What will you have me do, Goody Anderson? Oh, Proctor Brown, you must proclaim... The holy words from the good book. You must stand upon the pulpit this Sunday and cast out the witches and say, Talk tall to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Dear God in heaven, save us all. My lady parts. <laughs> lady hell. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>